We are uh, continuing with Romans. It is going to be so wonderful when we get to heaven and we get to be with Peter and Paul and John and Andrew. But, you know, Paul was talking in his letters to us as the church here on earth in the bodies that we have right now. He was not talking about some heavenly experience. He's talking about down-to-earth spiritual life experience of the life of Jesus Christ in us. And when we say us, it means not just we as MCC. It means the body of Christ globally. And not only globally right this time, but all of the ages from the very beginning after the fall of Adam and Eve up until he comes back again to receive us. we got to get our heads a little bit bigger, our spirits and hearts a little bit bigger than just our little tiny world. And we think that it's not, you know, well, wait a minute, we're the, we're the technology age. We're the age of the internet. Everybody's connected. No, we're just a slice in the history of man. But God's plan is an eternal plan. And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans. But praise the Lord, we have a glimpse from Paul of what it is to be one with Christ. And I can't really get my heart and mind around that. What is it going to be like when we're with Jesus and Paul and Peter, John? What are we going to do? I don't think you're going to be strumming on your guitar talk. Every single week. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll be set free to really praise as God intended us to be worshipers. Okay, that was the lead-in. Good lead-in. Yeah? <laughs> okay, we got it up there. So today we're looking at Romans 15:8 to 13. Let's read that. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing to your name. Again, he, the writer of this, Moses, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Let's pray. Father, open these 
scriptures to us, allow us to look into the mind and heart of Paul, but also the Holy Spirit as he describes to us who we are. Thank you. Thank you for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that the benediction? No, but... (laughs) Title is Christ has become a servant. And Romans 15, 8 to 13. The truth of God, Paul talks about. The truth of God. The truth of God. Okay, I've got your attention. Have you ever thought about the truth of God? Just to think on that one statement. What does that mean? The truth of God. The glory of God. What does glory mean? The glory of God. What is the glory of God? And then the God of hope. Paul listed all those three things in just these few sentences. We're going to look into that. Let's look at the truth of God. Paul writes, For I say that Christ has become a servant. Jesus is the servant to the circumcision. In other words, he was he made himself a servant to those who practiced circumcision or who were of the set-apart ones. And basically, in the context of what he was talking about is the Jewish people. It was through the Jewish people, and that was the identification of they were set apart as the people of God. It was very specific, and it was practiced by all true Jewish people, and is even today. Remember that uh, Jesus Christ, when he came into the temple, and we talked about this last week, he came to the temple and it was in a situation where he had to take action. The Spirit moved him to take action. That temple, 30 years previous to that, that Jesus had gone into the temple, Jesus had just been eight days old when he first entered that temple. His parents brought him to the temple to be presented to the Lord God and to offer a sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves. And there was an aged man there named Simeon, who, full of the Holy Spirit, took Jesus from Mary. I'm sure it was Mary. might have been Joseph. But anyway, Simeon took him and blessed him. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples. And then Simeon quotes, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Wow. Do you know what that means? Do you understand? 
This was prophetic. An eight-day-old baby, freshly circumcised. And this prophet, Simeon, speaks of the light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Wow! That's who Jesus is. That's why he came for all peoples. That's why missions is so important in the church. That is why we need to concentrate more on what our mission is. From his birth, Jesus had been brought to the temple every year at the Feast of Passover. Every year, 30 times. He had gone to the temple at the least, brought there by his parents. When Jesus was 12 years old, his parents took him to the temple, and unknown to his parents, they were living in Nazareth, and they'd come down with a crowd of people down to the to the temple, and Jesus had slipped away somewhere, but they thought, well, he's just with his friends and our family, and so it's time for us now to go back to Nazareth, several days trek back to their town. Unknown to them, Jesus had stayed behind in the temple to listen to and to question the rabbis. Same temple. The parents lost contact with Jesus, and it says that after three days, they realized he was missing, and they set out to find him. He wasn't with the, the friends and neighbors, relatives. Searching for Jesus, his parents find him in the temple, talking with the rabbis and amazing them at his questions. wonder what he was asking them. What's the meaning of all these sacrifices? Why do we have to keep coming here? What is the purpose of this? What do you think Jesus was asking as a 12-year-old boy? You know, I have a theory. I have a theory that parents of preteen age children, this is a very important statement because it happened in my life. And so I'll use myself as an example. Watch for your preteen young people. It is time to really search out in their lives. Do they really know Jesus Christ? And answer their questions. Don't be afraid to answer their questions. In fact, you need to prepare yourself in answering them. You know, the most important ministry in this church, the most important ministry is not this pulpit, my preaching. I thank God for the Sunday school teachers that we have. We need to pray for them, that they teach the truth. Because I believe that in a preteen age, right about 11, 12, right in that age, young people are very open to spiritual things. More so than we think. And we need to be aware of that and take the opportunity to share with them. And thank you, Talk, for having the children come up standing on the promises of God. When his parents asked him why he had caused them so much trouble, his answer to them was, why is it that you're looking for me? 
Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Well, you impudent little brat. No. He was so wrapped up in temple worship and wanting to know and trying to understand. You know, Jesus didn't come as a little baby in the manger, laying there and looking up at his mommy and his daddy and saying, if you only knew who I am. I don't believe that. Yes, Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh, but he walked and experienced the same way every one of us as human beings grow up. And as he sought the Father, he understood and it was revealed to him that he was sent from the Father. Just think about that. Maybe some of you haven't even thought about that. You just thought, well, Jesus is God. No, it says that he went through every temptation that we've ever experienced. And I believe that he had questions. I believe that he was, well, his brothers and sisters said, well, who is he? He grew up with us. We know who he is. Think about that. I'm not trying to shake your faith. I'm trying to get you to understand what, what God has done in his in sending his son. Jesus was a servant to the Jews. And it says, on the behalf of the truth of God, to confirm the promises given to the fathers. Paul has stated that Jesus did not serve himself. Last week we went through that. Jesus was zealous for the Father's honor and truth. Jesus did not enter the temple with a personal vendetta. And you remember last week I talked about Jesus taking a whip. It was not like the Roman whip. And today I did not forget my whip. It was similar to this. I wouldn't hit you, talk. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) But it was a whip similar to this, made out of reeds. And Dale, I'm going to pick on you. Dale is a dairy farmer. Dale, would this hurt one of your cows? Make a move. It would make a move. (laughs) Would it hurt them, though? Um, You don't treat your cows that way. Oh, (laughs) you don't use that. I was hoping you'd say, yeah, it wouldn't uh, hurt them at all. Well, it, it wouldn't uh, damage them. It wouldn't damage them, okay. But it sure make them move, wouldn't yeah. it? Okay. And do you have jerseys? Uh, some. Some, okay. Now, they're the really cute ones, the yeah. little brown, big big eye ones. Yeah, long, long eyelashes. But where, the point I'm trying to get at is you've got some cows that are ornery. And I understand jerseys are ornery, right? I mean, they seem to be so lovable, but they're they're very ornery, hard to control cows. They're not as big as a Holstein, half the size. And yet, sometimes they need to get, get. Am I getting this all? Somebody please vacuum after the service. <laughs> Jesus was not going in there on a private vendetta. He was there for the purpose of God's honor on behalf of the truth of God. We said last week, it was the court of the Gentiles 
where Jesus drove the animals out, turned over the tables of the uh, money changers who were just scalping, who were just taking money from the people. Israel has missed its mission. It had bypassed the rest of the world. We are it, and we have the truth on God. And they kept it close to themselves and protected it and held others out. And who, what, what kind of a Gentile would come in where there's cow dung all over the place, stinking, noise, smelly, a barn. Now, I really haven't been in Dale's barn, but I know it's probably a lot cleaner than what the court of the Gentiles was. Trying to paint a picture for you folks. This is what had happened to the worship of the true God. That's how far down they had come in their worship of who he really was. We need to be careful that we not get so familiar with religion and with our worship that we we keep that pure and holy before the Lord. We know the purpose why we're here and understand that he's called us out as a people to be worshipers of him. Very important lesson for us to, to know and be reminded over and over again of who the Lord God really is. He became the servant of the Jews, but he was the servant of the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. It's his mercy that most of us here have experienced the mercy of God that he sent Jesus, that I've had the privilege to know Jesus Christ, to hear the gospel. How many millions, how many billions of people right now standing on this globe do not know, do not have the opportunity to know the God of all mercy. That should be in our hearts as the church, even in this city that we're in. How many million people in Tokyo do not know a thing about Jesus other than maybe it's a swear word that they've heard in a movie or they just see a Christmas tree and there's a baby, something to do with a baby. And yet we walk among them and more or less ignore them. How many of us are shoulder to shoulder with dear Japanese people and our hearts say, well, I don't think they'd receive him. I don't think they would be interested. Don't assume that. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's put you where he has you for the fact that there are people around you that need to know about Jesus Christ. For them, it means eternal death. Not to know him. But to know him is life eternal. Second point, the glory of God. Paul is amazing. 
He really is amazing. He had scrolls to work with. You know what a scroll is? It's paper all out, uh, rolled up into uh, a roll, and they pulled these out, and they pulled them out and read them. But not everybody had a Bible like we do. Not everybody had an iPhone at that time. <laughs> and so it was scrolls. But Paul is looking... Well, let's just go on here. This is amazing. It really is. He pulled out four specific scriptures to talk about the heart of God for the nations. And they're diverse enough that you'd have to scroll a long way in order to be able to pick out these verses out of the Bible. How did he do it? He didn't have a his internet there and he could just scroll it up, type in Google, I want to see Isaiah 6, uh, what, what it says there. No, he didn't have that opportunity. They were just scrolls. And you know what? He probably didn't even own a set himself. But what had he done? He had memorized. He had memorized those scriptures. He knew those scriptures. And if Paul knew them, probably most Jewish people boys had memorized the same scriptures over and over again. Look and see what they talk about. We already read 2 Samuel 22.50 The Song of David Therefore I will give thanks to you O Lord among the Gentiles and I will sing praises to your name. He didn't just type in Gentiles and pulled up this, this reference. He had it right here. And the Spirit of God used it for him to write it down. Talk about amazing memory. He knew the Old Testament scriptures backwards, forwards, upside down, and inside out. And he quotes Deuteronomy 32:43, the Song of Moses. That Song of Moses was, Rejoice, O Gentiles with his people, the Jews. For he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. Think about this. Today we are in the technology era. How many of you have ever heard of the Gaza Strip? Okay. How many of you have heard of Palestinians. Okay? How many of you know that the focus of the world in news is predominantly about Israel? How many of you know that the issues of the world that we are facing today in the news, the predominant nation that is called out is Israel? Listen carefully to the news. And what people are talking about is the big problem in our world. It's Israel. It's Israel. That's the problem. If we get rid of them, we get rid of the problems of the world. That's basically what is in the news today. And we need to take heart. Jesus said, when you see 
the fig tree budding. Look up. Your salvation draws close. The glory of God. Paul speaks of the glory of God. And he pulls out again a third scripture. Psalm 117.1. You know what? What's the shortest psalm in the Bible? Well, it's Psalm 117. It's only two verses. Okay, well, you know, just two verses. Is that all the psalmist had to say in Psalm 117? No. That is a short psalm, but it is very, very broad in its scope. The scope is, this is the heart of God for the people of all generations. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Worship him, all peoples, for his loving kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Think about that as you watch the news. Think about it. God sees us as Jews and Gentiles coming to him, his bride. The ones who are in love with him. Those that he'll gather to himself. And then in Isaiah 11:10, the righteous reign of Jesus. And Isaiah 11 is a star chapter in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. Read it, look at it, study it, understand. It's talking about Jesus Christ and his reign. There shall come the root of Jesse. Who was Jesse? David's father. Who was Jesse's father? Obed. Obed. Who was Obed's mother? Ruth. Who was Ruth? A Moabitess. The Moabites were enemies of Israel. And God redeemed a young girl. Well, she wasn't so young. No, this is great news for us. It really is. That God, his clock is a perfect clock. Our clock, that the 24-hour clock that we have, it has to be reset. What, every year or every few years? To get it accurate because it's off. We're always off as people. But God's time is not off. One nanosecond. He's the God of perfection. He's the God of timing. You think you're late for your plane or your train? God's never late. And you know what? He's never early. (laughs) Thanks for laughing. You got the point. We think, God, hurry up and answer that for me. You said you were going to answer. Well, he's never early and he's never late. How can that be? Because he's on time. Well, anyway, folks, this has been fun. And uh, there's a lot here. And I wish I could 
I probably should take another week on this, but I'm not going to. I'm determined to finish Romans before I go on vacation this summer. (laughs) The Lord bless you as you kind of look over the notes and go through this and understand what God has for us as a people. And in conclusion, let's stand. The God of hope. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Amen.